Amen. Would you take your Bible, turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Today we complete chapter 2 at least, and we continue in the study that we've been in now for several weeks out of the book of Titus. And uh, today we, we end with verse 15. We're up to that. But uh, it uh, necessitates us going back to verse 1. Really, verses 1 and 15 are bookends to this entire chapter that tells people in the church how they are to live. Old men, young men, old women, young women. All of us in the vocations that we have been led to have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, today, and I'll be mentioning this in just a minute, hopefully will be kind of a reset. Always is for me at the first of the year. And so I remind myself of what things are important, in fact, most important in life. As we read out of Titus chapter 2, verse 1, and then sliding down to verse 15. Paul says to Titus, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Verse 15. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Father, I'm so grateful for your word today. I'm grateful that though the times and the seasons change, cultures even change, the one thing that we know is steady is your wonderful word to us. And so, Father, I pray that today, among the things that probably need to be changed, I pray that you would change us. I pray that we would come to a fresh realization of perhaps ways that we have been short-sighted and maybe shorting our own commitment to you. The quality of our time spent with you, Jim reminded us a few moments ago of a fresh start this year in Bible reading. Lord, certainly that's a part of it. But just a renewed zeal and commitment to know you, to love you, to know and love your word, and to obey your word. And then to come to a place where we can not only live out of that sound, healthy doctrine or teaching that you give us in your word, but that we can help others to do that. And we can help them by declaring and exhorting, and even at times rebuking. And so, Father, I pray that today would be a time for that. I pray that you would help us now as we walk through these two verses of Scripture, and I pray that you would plant in our heart that repentance and faith that we need to continue on the road to sanctification. And I will praise you for that, and we will praise you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've changed since I was a younger man. I think I've changed since last year. But certainly going back and looking and 
having occasion to, uh, to think back. When I was a younger man, and I thought about the future, and I looked at the, the pastors, and I'm talking about when I was a youth pastor, and I, I looked at the pastors under which I, other whom I, under whom I served, and, and I, I saw them and I heard them, and, and not everyone was like this, but for much of my formative years, those leaders were focused on a certain measurement of success. Uh, they were focused on growing the church, and I, I know that in their hearts, they wanted the church to grow in, in spiritual health, uh, in, in zeal and passion for the things of God. But the things that I heard about the most, the conferences that we were taken to, had more to do with a certain thing called church growth. And so I thought that maybe what I was supposed to do if and when I became a pastor was to focus on church growth, growing the church bigger, being successful numerically, and then retiring. And along the way came my family. I, I really believe that I was a little bit closer to what I needed to be doing, and not perfectly, but there was an intentionality to what Jan and I did when our kids were younger. I, one thing was that I didn't want my marriage to end up like uh, my parents' marriage had ended up, my I grew up in a home that was twice divorced. I, I didn't, I, I really didn't want that. And, and so we looked at the Word of God and we looked at other things too, and we really tried our best to be intentional about working with and walking with the Lord and walking with each other and, and doing the same with our children. We, we mentioned, Jim mentioned, I mentioned in my prayer, having a quiet time reading the Bible regularly, praying, having devotionals and teaching your, your, your children and each other. But I, I have to admit that along the way, some of those things that were vital, that were absolutely necessary, got put on the back burner. And I was able to maybe get along for a week or a couple of weeks like that and always blaming the busyness of life and the busyness of, uh, of, of ministry. And I have to admit that looking back, I, I see gaps and I see times when not focusing on the thing that would build me personally, spiritually, and on the thing that would build my family was was not really my first priority. I, I regret that. Now, fast forward to today, and one of the reasons that, uh, there are multiple reasons, but one of the reasons that I am thinking this way about this particular passage of Scripture, these two verses, but a friend of mine asked me a while back a question that it, it took me aback just a little bit. And uh, he's good at asking these kinds of questions. He said, Marty, what do you think your legacy will be 
at Heritage Baptist Church. And I've thought about it uh, a lot. And so we come to these two verses of Scripture. And I think that to a great degree, this is what I really want my legacy to be. And this is an overarching thing, not just with the church, which is huge. It's, It's a major part of who I am and what I do and all of the rest of that, but also with my family. When Paul said... But as for you, and I take that very, very personally. By the way, I think you ought to take it very personally. As for you, teach. Now, we've done a study a while back, and so you know, you can write it in your Bible, if you have a paper Bible, if if you have a smart device, I don't recommend writing on that. But write it down, that word teach is not in a, a technical, professional way. It's, it's the word speak. It's, it's the Greek word that means to blab. And it just means that wherever you are and wherever you go and at home and, and, and when you're talking to your siblings or you're talking to your children or you're talking to your spouse or you're talking to anybody else that you're, you're speaking what accords with sound doctrine. And with everything that goes on today, we, we need that. Because you're not just dealing with people that are coming and going. Everybody in this room is eternity bound. And without sound doctrine, we are going to be well, I don't know where some of you are going to end up in eternity. I trust that most of you are going to end up with me in heaven, but we are dealing with eternal realities. Verse 15, declare the, now that is declare, proclaim these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Timothy echoed these words in another place. He said to Timothy, my true child, And then he said also to Titus, he he called both of those young men at the last of his life as he's coming in toward the finish line, he said to Titus, my true child in the common faith, and here's what he said this is all about, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which issues into, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life. And obviously, there there are forces that are going to oppose you as you do this. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, Paul, meeting with the elders at the church of Ephesus, said these words, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So what was the key to the Apostle Paul? What will be the key for you and me as we think about this thing called legacy? And by the way, I'm an old guy. And so you might look at me and, and, and say, well, it's good for you 
to think about your legacy. You don't have much time left. You better get busy. But I, I want to speak to some of these young men and young women over here and scattered throughout our, our congregation. Children, think of the legacy that you will leave. Moms and dads, you younger moms and dads with families still at home, think of the legacy that you will leave. And then, obviously, those of you who are coming closer to and even have exceeded me at my age, we really need to be thinking about that. So, how do we do it? What does Paul say is the key? These two verses, as I said, bookends to this chapter. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now, you remember what that word sound means? Healthy. Second Timothy, follow the pattern of healthy words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Now, Paul's commandment is specifically for Titus, but by extension, as I've already said, is to every believer. And I've said this before, but let me reiterate it. If you are a believer you are a theologian, okay? And we're not talking about someone who knows everything, but we're talking about being able to know sound or healthy, that's what that word really means, healthy doctrine to be able to press it into the next generation. It means that you know something about life from the Word of God. And so you must make sure that what you believe and what you teach accords with sound or healthy or whole or hygienic. That's, that's the word that we get from the Greek here, doctrine. Sound doctrine is not, listen to me, your opinion. If you're a theologian, you go to the Word. And teaching sound doctrine doesn't mean that you teach your opinion or even your insight. I had to go back and kind of repent of any time that I have stood before you and said, I had this insight as if my insight is better than the Word of God. And that's all you need is the Word of God well studied, put into your heart, growing out of it is what you live out yourself, godliness, and what you help others live out. And here we go, back to this verse again. All Scripture, every bit of it, every word of it is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, here's what I mean by that. Are you with me? Are you here? I'm not saying that you have to be able to parse every Greek verb or decline every Greek noun, but you ought to have enough sound doctrine in your heart that when your daughter 
or your son comes to you and they have been deeply hurt by life, that you do more than just give them a sentimental platitude or a country song. Country songs are full of good platitudes. But please tell them more that when it's raining that there are doors in the floor of heaven and granny's tears are flowing down to you. That is a song. I, I like the song. It's a good song. It's just bad theology. I think that even in good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches, that to a great degree, a lot of our people, that's all they've got to give because they're not, they're not spending time in the Word. And you don't have to take the one-year plan, okay? We've got a two-year plan. Just do something with it. Get it into their hearts. Come on Sunday, not only to big church, but also to ABF, because you're drilling down in ABF and Sunday school. ABF, in case you're not aware, that's our fancy name for Sunday school for adults. Okay? But, but it's a smaller group where we can interact and we can talk about certain things so that when you lose a loved one and, and your, your little girl comes to you and says, Daddy, Mommy, what do I do with this? At the very minimum, you can tell them, sweetie, God is God, and God is good. It'd even be better if you could tell them the Heidelberg Catechism, question number one. No, I'm serious. Just look it up. I've, I've got it on my app, and I'll go through and every once in a while just sit down and meditate on the wonderful truths that... Uh, the guys that lived a long, long time ago put down from the Word of God. So that when I'm asked, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Listen to this. That I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, you could take this paragraph and spend probably two weeks going over it with your nine-year-old and just stop and talk about each one of these things. My faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Does your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter need to know that Jesus is faithful? You bet they do. Who with His precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins. Do they need to know? about the gospel? Do they need to know that the blood of Jesus fully satisfies for all their sins and has redeemed me from all of the power of the devil? Living in a day like we live in today, do you think it would be important? Not that they have a full comprehension of that. I don't. But at least to get that into their hearts. My faithful Savior Jesus has delivered me from all of the power of the devil and so preserves me, listen to this, that I, without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, 
that all things must work together for my salvation. And then what's the outcome of that? Wherefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Again, that's a devotional thought that you could spend a couple of days on. And all of these things are just straight out of God's Word. Now, I'm not talking about taking the Bible and beating your kids over the head with it with harsh views of minor issues. But what I'm saying is that we don't dodge God's clear commands in His Word. I read an article a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I kept it. it. It was a secular article, but I, I was fascinated by it. And so I printed it off. I thought I would just share a couple of insights to you from it and how being steeped in doctrine, as for you, teach the things which accord with sound doctrine, because here is what the author of this article said. It was a very, very a current piece. The title of the article was, Young People Prefer Discovery Over Dogma. Now, what in the world does that mean? I, that, that really got my... Because dogma is, is a word that means authoritative teaching. That's really all it is. But here, here was this entire article about how young adults, young people are leaving the church in droves because they prefer, young people prefer, discovery over dogma. I had a couple of just thoughts initially, you know, the way my mind works. You can't teach an old dogma new tricks, or that dogma won't hunt. And I thought, this is insane. But, but wait, lost people, that's all, they, that's all they have. Sin is moral insanity. And so... Obviously, this is insane. Young people prefer discovery over dogma? Of course they do. They prefer junk food over healthy meals. My nine-year-old granddaughter would much rather, I think, on any given day, have macaroni and cheese <laughs> Mike, did you say that? than broccoli. So I'm not surprised. Young people, by the way, if wolves are going after a flock of sheep, who do they target first? The young or the weak. So I wasn't surprised, but I read on. And, and lo and behold, it was talking about how these pastors and guess what? They were Southern Baptist pastors, meaning that they should have known better. At, at least they had the underpinnings of, of some teaching and that kind of thing. But they had become disenfranchised with some of the dogma that they had learned growing up. Now, here are these young guys pastoring churches, and they start internally having these problems with a dogma like the reality of hell. And so very subtly, they begin 
to teach that, and you know what happens when pastors begin to do that in conservative churches, they'll end up splitting the churches. They also, does this surprise you, had a problem with biblical inerrancy. Because, of course, the Bible is just full of errors. They had a problem, I'm not saying this, the, the article did, with how the church handles LGBTQ issues. What is that but authority? And so the pastor wrote a book. This is the title of the book. One of the pastors that, that pastored this church, here, here is the title of his book, What Makes You Bloom. Are you ready for it? Do you want to bloom? What Makes You Bloom, Cultivating a Practice for Connecting with, are you ready? Your Divine Self. Boom! Does that remind you of anything? Like way back in the garden? Connect with your divine self. Eve, this dogma that you shall surely die, don't you prefer discovery of your divine self? I mean, that's a paraphrase of the, the devil's approach to, to Eve, but that's a basically, and things haven't changed since then. Now, I, I read this whole thing, and I, I really, I'm reading through that. I'm thinking to myself, how stupid can someone be? Except I got to the end, I thought they got one thing right. Are you ready for it? They stopped calling. They kept meeting in buildings after they'd run off half of the, con half of the congregation, and they, but they, they didn't call it a church anymore. You know what they called it? A spiritual collective. And I thought to myself, again, well, I've heard that before. When that man who was filled with demons came to Jesus, and Jesus said, I know your problem. You've got a spiritual collective of demons. Is that too harsh? I'm telling you, we have got to be so committed at Heritage. If I, if I shuffle off this mortal coil anytime soon, please remember these words that I'm saying to you. If I leave no other legacy, then as for you and you and you and you, teach, speak, blab 24-7 what accords with sound doctrine. Paul never says throw out the dogma. He doesn't say let's just have a conversation or share your thoughts or make suggestions or pass along insights. He commands. What does he command? Look at verse 15, two parts. Declare. Now this word is strong. It's, it's a command. Declare or proclaim these things. What things? All of the things contained in chapter 2 which have to do with how you live a godly life out of your identity of being a righteous person in Christ, you live with your family and with your church family in a godly fashion. And we've already talked about that to some degree, and that means a continual putting off 
and putting on. Proclaim these things that accord with sound doctrine in terms of personal relationships. We need to renounce ungodliness and live godly lives in the present age. Sometimes I hear people talk about the present age as as if it's different. It's not. We've, We've got people who are born again gathered together in churches throughout the land. We've got people who are dead in their trespasses and sin, and the only hope for them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaimed by people who are seeking to live out with integrity what it means to be a Christian. Several verses I would add to that. You can just jot these down. We're not going to take a lot of time, but these are important. Here, here is the, this is a qualification for an elder, but really it's what we all ought to be doing. Hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction. Doesn't that sound like verse 15? In sound doctrine. And also to rebuke those who contradict it. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And then in 2 Timothy, He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This morning in our ABF class, we talked about being ready, being aware of wolves and those from outside and those from inside the church who will attack the different areas, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man the doctrine of salvation, biblical authority. And I I wrote down just a couple of things that you need to be, if we're going to give ourselves to sound doctrine, we need to be aware of these. I haven't put down names. But anyone who is attached to and promotes the word of faith so-called prosperity gospel movement. We need to teach what accords with sound doctrine. And folks, that is not sound doctrine. Some of these you might not even have heard of, but they're out there and they are, they are transmitted through the airwaves and people are spouting them. The new apostolic reformation you may not know the song, I mean the, 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 the name Brian Houston, but you know Hillsong. You may not know the name Bill Johnson, but you know Bethel Music, or at least you've heard it, and for the most part, you like it. It's, it's, it's good music. But one person has said it is a gateway. It is like a gateway drug to bad theology. Many of the songs are poor quality and poor theology. 
And we need to be aware enough of these and declare them and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let me give you some others. Church growth. I mentioned that earlier. Purpose-driven, seeker-sensitive. Emergent. Do these words ring a bell? They're all around us. They're swirling in this very room even now. Open theism, mysticism, social gospel. Revoice. One of the most insidious, it's fairly new, the Center for Christian Sexuality. The higher the stakes. What are the stakes? Salvation. Godly living. The higher the stakes, the more dangerous the situation, and the more cunning and deceptive the enemy the more we will need to declare these things that accord with sound doctrine. And hopefully we are speaking the truth with authority, but also in love. We're, we're not just getting down on people out there. We have forgotten some things. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. That's what he's telling us in verse 15. Those whom I love, I reprove, and I discipline, so be zealous and repent. Costi Hinn is the nephew of Benny Hinn. And he left Benny Hinn's ministry and his entered into a ministry of exposing the dangers and the falsehood of the Word of Faith movement that his uncle espouses. But, but he said this. I, I thought this was really a good statement of how do we approach that. We, we call it out. We exhort. We're not afraid to do that with all authority, but at the same time, Listen to these words. I think they're words of wisdom. Admitting that a movement or a teacher is false doesn't have to put them on our hate list. It should put them on our prayer list. We can and must protect ourselves from wolves while disagreeing in a God-honoring way. And the last thing is this. Paul says to Titus, let no one disregard you. That could go in several different directions. Titus, live such a life, let your doctrine be so sound that no one can disregard you. That could be a word to, to the churches that he is ministering to. Titus, don't let them disregard you. He told Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. And this is where we get down to the practical application of this. Don't let anyone despise you, young men, young women, for your faith. 
Stand strong in what God says. Command and teach these things. Don't cave in to the opinions of others, however well-meaning they might be, or the surveys. Oh, there are so many surveys, and most of them are done by lost people or well-meaning Christians, carnally-minded Christians, not scripturally-grounded Christians. Remember who you are in Christ and remember whose you are. Let no one disregard you, not because of anything in you, but because you are relying on the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom this book reveals, who said, all authority resides in me. Practical implications. Peter and John, before the council, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So I say to you today, today again, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Declare these things Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. One of the things that I uh, said I've been thinking about this, I don't make normally New Year's resolutions because I tend to break them the next day. But I do think it's a good time to take stock and to try to pinpoint some areas that need to be addressed in my life. I would say the same thing for you, unless you're perfect. It's time to take stock and think about what are some, what are some, some things, some points that you can look at that would help you to grow not only in your intake of the Word of God, but also how you live it out on a daily basis. And I thought, boy, that applies to everybody. Let no one despise you for your youth. That applies to everybody. And to think of how that has played out. Yesterday, I had uh, the, the opportunity to attend. I was not officiating to attend a beautiful wedding. Kicker, I got to tell you, you did a a great job with that. You presented the gospel, and it was, it was beautiful. Uh, we've had a, we had several weddings in the last little while. And Gabe and Zoe stood before the congregation, stood before Kicker, and they exchanged their vows. And I started thinking, you know, the, again, the passage of time, I said, has something to do with how you come to a new year and you begin to to think, okay, how can I reset? Because I was looking at Gabe standing up here, 21 years old, that's young. And I realized, oh, I realized Gabe Treat was three years old when I came to this church. And I thought he was a young man, came up in our Awana program, Sunday school, in our student ministry, discipled, 
And I thought, now he's, he's taking these vows, the lifelong commitment. You think of several who've recently done that who are in our church right now, Nathan and Ainsley and Josh and Kyla, wherever you are. Could I say this to you? I'm saying it to everybody, but I'm saying it to these couples. Gabe and Zoe are not here. They're on their honeymoon as they should be. I'll say it to them when they get back. Let no one despise you for your youth. You know what will guarantee a good and godly marriage? As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Read your word as much as you can every day. Don't get off track. Pray not only for, but with each other. And when you get to my ripe old age, 50 years of marriage, you'll look back and say, thank you that along the way, I just had some people who told me, as for you, teach what accords with sound, blab what accords with sound doctrine, and declare, and sometimes they had to do this with me, exhort and rebuke with all of the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who are in this audience today and you do not know Jesus Christ personally, you, you, you've never had that that time of a personal encounter when you had listened and you had heard all of the words about Jesus, but at a moment in time, the Holy Spirit opened your heart, He quickened your heart. Those words became real, found their way into to your heart, and you responded with repentance and faith. You believed. I know that many people in here have done that, but if you have not, and I would say for you today is the day of salvation. Don't leave this place without professing faith in Christ, turning away from sin, turning away from self-effort, turning by faith to the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Father, I thank you for how Paul gets very, very practical with, with Titus and Lord then the Word gets very practical with us. I pray that today might be a time in many, many lives here of doing a reset, not trying to, to, to turn over a new leaf or making resolutions, but do a reset, getting back to the things that accord with sound doctrine. I pray over this next year that it would make an impact and it would see the, the healing of relationships and marriages and the restoring of relationships between children, their parents, and maybe even among members of this congregation, and Lord, even at work. And I pray that you would do that for your glory. I pray that if there is anyone here today that does not know you, that indeed he or she would trust in Christ.
So, Lord, it is a time for decision. And we will decide no matter what. So I pray that you would help us to decide for you. In Jesus' name, amen.